Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anche Emmett Synagogue in Chicago talks with author Jonathan Eig about this week's Torah portion of Ayeshev, Family Feud, Biblical Edition. Do you have siblings? Yeah, I've got two younger brothers. I'm the oldest. You're the oldest, no? so they must look up to you. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think that uh, my two younger brothers would say that I was the spoiled one, and um, the two my my myself and my middle brother would say that the baby was the was the spoiled one, and that we would all agree that the uh, the middle child was not spoiled. But that's the only thing we would agree on. It is amazing how different children view their upbringing from other siblings and who was favored and who wasn't favored and uh, who had it easier and who didn't have it easier. But in your recollection, was one child favored over another? <laughs> I'd have to admit that I probably felt like I was favored a little bit as the older. I felt like, uh, you know, I was here first and uh, everything's going to go my way. You don't like it, you know, take a hike. The, I'm a middle child, so I'm very familiar with that as well. <laughs> from the other end. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah. And I think this is something that, that happens in all families. Yeah, and I think birth order is really interesting when you look at it. I know that people have studied the effects of birth order. I think it's a real thing. I think that it doesn't decide everything, but it can make a big difference. And you can see how siblings raised in the same family, same house, same parents, roughly the same time, can turn out so very differently. Right. And, and I think you could also... Focus on younger children, the young, the younger children in the family when parents may actually have more time to focus or they've learned uh, some parenting skills along the way. And those experiences can be very different as well. Yeah. Or they just totally check out by that point. You know, if you've got six kids, those youngest kids are often just being raised by their, by their siblings. It's all very different. And so it's always wonderful to hear two people without degrees. Uh, waxing eloquent about family relationships. But that's what podcasts are for, right? Everybody gets to be the expert just because they open their mouths. Exactly right. Well, the bottom line is, is that this is actually a very relevant story for our portion this week, because as you know, the Torah has been dealing with siblings, firstborns, and all the rest. But what's happening in the Bible is you're living in a polygamous society. So now, if it's not complicated enough um, just to deal with birth order, or the firstborn, let's now add in multiple wives, mothers, into this, and we can see just how complicated things can get. Because in the story of Vayesha, the portion that we're reading today, there's going to be a horrible, horrible uh, moment, flashpoints between brothers. And the detail that will help us better understand why Joseph is so mistrusted and so disliked by his brothers may have as much to do with his mother versus their mother than on Joseph's arrogant bad behavior. I was going to say, we didn't even get into the issue of, of step-parents, so this will be good. This, well, these aren't actually step-parents. These are all parents. So here you have, in the portions portion last week, you have this really heartbreaking story of Leah and Rachel, who are competing, in a sense, for Jacob's attention and his affection. Rachel is the one that he loved. He fell in love with her from the moment he met her. The Torah records that when he saw her, he kissed her and he cried. He was really overcome by by love and his love for her. But Laban, the shifty 
father of Rachel and Leah, places Leah in the wedding bed. And so Jacob unbeknownst to himself, marries Leah first and then has to work additional years to marry Rachel. And what distinguishes Leah is that she is very fruitful. She has uh, a number of sons where Rachel has difficulty bearing children and, in fact, ultimately dies in childbirth uh, bearing Benjamin. The Torah is very honest about how Jacob treats Leah, and it's not very pleasant. And the children obviously see all this. They see what's going on. And there is animosity in the family. There is pathos for a mother who has been mistreated. And then you have this other mother that died. And so this is kind of the background for this portion called Vayeshev. And what happens in the portion is that Jacob looks at Joseph and misses Rachel. And with Joseph, he attaches his feelings for Rachel. And that can be seen in that many-colored coat of his. Jacob sets Joseph apart by giving him this coat. And so, in a way, Jacob is creating an untenable situation for Joseph. On the one hand, he is held up. He is the one, as you were saying about your own upbringing. And on the other hand, the seething anger that the sons of Leah have towards Jacob is going to be transferred to Joseph. It's a bad family dynamic. Interesting. And yet it's such a common one because even, you know, parents who think they're not showing any favoritism often wind up showing favoritism or creating the impression or, you know, or, or children form their own impressions, um, even if it's inaccurate. And those things are, are so lasting and so difficult to undo. And I, I wonder what you see as somebody who counsels families. You must see a lot of that, especially, you know, at funerals when people are, are grieving. You see the family scars that really probably come to the surface. Absolutely. You can sit in a meeting preparing for a funeral with siblings, and they're talking about their mother or father. And if you simply recorded each one of them and kept them separate from one another, and I played them for you, chances are, in many cases, you would think that they're talking about someone completely different. That can't be the same person. That can't be the same memory. And Part of the role of a rabbi or any clergy in these kinds of meetings is that once these stories begin to surface and once you begin to see that other people have different memories, that you don't push them aside, but rather you have to allow them to surface and understand that that's their truth. That's how they saw their parent and the other siblings need to hear it so that everyone feels heard and feels validated in a meeting like that. And that is precisely what's not happening in the story of Joseph. Everything is focused on Joseph. And so after Joseph is sold into slavery, the brothers take his coat and they slaughter a lamb or a goat, and they put the coat in the blood of the lamb. And then they take this bloody coat back to Jacob and they put it in front of him and they say, do you recognize this? Of course he recognizes. And then they go on to say that your son Joseph was torn apart by wild beasts. 
the manner in which this message is delivered to Jacob shows such anger and such seething rage that you can't miss it because these are the sons of Leah who see the treatment of their mother now going to the next generation. And we do pass these things down from generation to generation. Yeah, it seems like it's almost unavoidable. Um, and especially when, you know, one member of the family succeeds to a greater extent than another. You know, if, if you look at family dynamics of, of some of our most famous, uh, even heroic people, there's jealousy within the families. You know, the whole world is celebrating the achievements of someone who's you know, elected president or wins a Nobel Prize. And there's this sense that, well, look at the siblings. What happened to them? Why Why are they such failures, right? And inevitably, it goes back to the parents. And you'll often find that there's one child that the parents seem to favor. Did they favor them because they were extraordinary and they were accomplishing great things? Or did they accomplish great things because they were being favored in the first place? This is an interesting point, Jonathan, that you know, is it nature? Is it nurture? How does it work? I was teaching a class this week, and I was talking about a Jew by choice who lived in the 11th century. His name was Hovadja Hager. There are a number of people who go by that name, but this particular person came from Rome and uh, was brought up. And in his family, one son was designated as the business person to go out, earn the money, take care of the family through his business acumen. And this one was chosen to be a priest. And so in a sense, the family made decisions about how each child should go forward. And I wonder if that's not such a terrible thing to do. In other words, can we focus on the strengths of each child in the family as opposed to saying, why can't you be more like him or her? Right, which is a mm -hmm. that refrain that's so damaging in a family unit. But then there'd be resentment. Uh, you know, why did he get to be the doctor and I have to be the accountant? Right? There'd be resentment over that too. It's kind of like an arranged marriage. Yes, you might find your destiny, but you also might resent having not had the choice. You know, it's funny that you say that. I I did a funeral about a year ago, and in this particular story, one son became a physician, and the other son stayed in the family business and worked so the other brother could go to medical school. The father died. The mother kept the business going. And when the son was old enough, he took over the business and he improved the business, developed it. But he stayed in the business, even though that wasn't his first choice, to take care of the family and to make sure that his brother could go to medical school. And what was so interesting to me was I got to know these, this family very well, and there was never a shred of resentment there was only pride on the brother's part who stayed in the family business for his other brother. So it might have become something different. It might have turned into resentment. That's not necessarily the case. Can you create an environment where siblings can celebrate each other as well? And I guess that would come from a parent as well. Again, one can only imagine how Jacob could have handled things differently if he wasn't so self-focused and how the entire Joseph story might have been different had Jacob been a more thoughtful parent, a more thoughtful husband. And so one of the things I think you take away from this portion is that the Torah is teaching us not only positive lessons, but also negative lessons about our patriarchs and matriarchs so that we can learn to avoid their mistakes. Yeah, that's a great point. I think that the sense here is that um, we're, we're pitting the children against each other. And that comes certainly from, you know, how you view 
parenthood and how you view, you know, what you expect from your children. If you're encouraging that sort of competition, you may pay the price for it. Exactly right. Well, on that happy note, <laughs> let's hope that we are uh, more thoughtful with our own children and our own grandchildren as we go forward in life and learn from Jacob, Joseph, and Joseph's brothers. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks, Rabbi. Bye.